1: I was, I was just a child, I was 10, but I remember quite clearly these soldiers coming in with guns and putting my dad in the back of a jeep and driving him away. And the way they spoke seemed like uh, they were going to kill my dad, because that's what they were saying. So as they're driving my father away, I think my father probably prayed his first prayer to God ever. He said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me.
0: Welcome to Real Faith conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and
2: Real Faith with Eric Scatabo. Pastor Luis Cabral was born in Angola and moved with his family to Portugal when he was only 10 years old. As an adult, he eventually migrated to Australia in 2009. He's been involved in ministry adventures all over the world and will share many of his incredible experiences with us today. But first, he's going to tell us about some incredible experiences his father had that he witnessed growing up. Pastor Luis Cabral, welcome to the program. Thanks
1: for having me, Eric. It's a real pleasure to be here and with all the listeners. I was born in Africa. I was born in Angola. Angola was a a Portuguese colony. Portugal had colonies in Mm -hmm. different parts of the world, in Brazil and so on. And so I was brought up in Angola at a time where it was great peace. And and the locals, they were wanting independence. And so independence was granted to the natives of the country. And shortly after that, they went into um, a time of civil war. And unfortunately, a lot of atrocities, a lot of things happened. And and we kind of witnessed some things, although we were small. And and one of the things that was quite traumatic was one day when... uh, these soldiers came into our house, and we were just about to have lunch. These soldiers, they came into the house, and uh, they were looking for my father. And they said, "Well, it looks like you're a spy." And my dad said, "Well, I'm just a common citizen. I, I work for an oil company. I'm, I'm an accountant. What do you mean a spy? Well, you work for a, an American oil company. So, Americans are our enemies now. And this was a communist country. Mm. Now, yeah, I was, I was just a child. I was ten, but I remember quite clearly these soldiers coming in with with guns and putting my dad in the back of a jeep and driving him away. And um, and the way they spoke seemed like um, they were going to kill my dad because that's what they were saying. So as they're driving my father away, we didn't know Jesus. We weren't Christians. We know who to call for Mm -hmm. help. We were desperate. I remember the desperation of my mother and some of my relatives that were there that day. And um, as my father was taken away in the back of this jeep, I think my father probably prayed his first prayer to God ever. Mm. He said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me. I'm young. I've got a young family. Please, if if you're out there, if you really exist, please help me. And uh, these soldiers, they never said a word. They did a U-turn. And probably 20 minutes later, I saw my father coming back into the house. Wow. And uh, I remember the first words my, my father said as he was walking into the house were, there has to be God in heaven. Wow. And my mother hugged him and, and said, well, wh- what happened? What happened? He, he said, Well, I was in the back of this Jeep, and, and I said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me. If, if you're out there, if, if there's something out there, please help me. And believe it or not, these soldiers, they never said a word. They just came back, and here I am. And from that point onwards, they I remember my father started talking about God. He said, someone help me that day. I've got to find this God. Hmm. And I remember my mother saying something like, uh, well, there's so many so-called gods in the world, so many religions in the world, so many churches. I mean, how will we ever find God? And I remember my father saying, well, I don't know, but we will find him. We will find him. And uh, shortly after that conversation, I remember we finished lunch and my mother finished washing the dishes and so on. And and my dad said, we have to leave because there's no assurance that these people will not come back. And oh, by yeah, then, if
2: this happened once, absolutely. there could be a less friendly group that picks them up next time.
1: Absolutely. And the country was in civil war. Mm, it was in yeah. chaos. Yeah. I mean, we went to sleep every night at the sound of gunshots and things Wow, exploding. this is your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I said that we were not Christians. And, and the only person that was remotely Christian in our family was my grandmother. Hmm. And I remember my grandmother. There's
2: always a praying grandmother, isn't there? A lot of (laughs) times. She was, she
1: was. (laughs) And she said, son, you have to learn this prayer. Mm -hmm. And she taught me the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. And I remember clearly one day in the morning walking to the school, and suddenly the Lord's Prayer came to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I was not a Christian. I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know who God was. But the
2: seeds had been planted.
1: But suddenly, yeah, and and that she hadn't. She had me memorize the mm-hmm. Lord's prayer, yeah, yeah. and suddenly I just started whispering, just under my breath, the Lord's prayer. Just I don't even know. I didn't even know why. Hmm. And that day, walking to the school, a grenade exploded, not far from where I was. Wow! And the impact was such that I was actually thrown backwards, and I landed on my back. And I remember looking up and thinking, "What? What has just happened?" Hmm. And for many days after that, thinking whether maybe the God of that prayer <laughs> had actually uh, reminded me of that prayer so mm-hmm. that and, – and something had happened and my life had been spared. Yeah. And I, I remember, I was a little child, I was 10, but I I remember that, that was very, very powerful. But going back to my earlier so story – So this was
2: before – your experience with the grenade was before your father's experience. Yes, exactly. In the Jeep.
1: Within that, that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but just before. And then this happened, and and I remember my dad then went to the airport, and he said, he came back from the airport, and he said, well, there's one plane, a Russian Mm -hmm. airplane. That's the only plane that's going to be leaving out of that airport today. And I'm not going to wait for these people to come back and probably change their mind and Mm -hmm. take me back to wherever they were going to take me. So we are – we're leaving right now, and we left with the clothes on our bodies. The
2: only problem is and – I'm thinking in my mind is, well, where do you go?
1: Exactly. (laughs) well we always thought of the country of our ancestors Portugal
2: which you had never been to
1: never and my mom had never been to she Mm. was born in in Angola as well but that's your heritage yeah absolutely so there was this Russian aircraft about to leave so we went to the airport and I remember asking my dad as we were walking in tarmac towards the the plane and saying dad is is, uh, so we're not coming back my dad said most likely we will never come back and um and I remember crying and and thinking, well, uh, what will happen to our lives? And we boarded the plane, and about two hours into the flight, one of the engines stopped. Oh, wow. And suddenly we hear a voice from the cockpit saying, we're going to have to land in the country of Dakar, the country of Senegal, Dakar. It's going to be an emergency landing, so please follow all the instructions of the… <laughs>
2: oh, wow, this is not starting <laughs> off real
1: good. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And… Again, we two hours into the flight, we were making an emergency landing in Dakar
2: Airport in Mm -hmm. Senegal. Are they a friendly country? I don't know. What year was this? Well, this was
1: 1974. Mm -hmm. So we landed, and they managed to fix the plane, and we got up, and eventually we reached Portugal.
2: Okay, so it went okay. (laughs) Just a little (laughs) scary there for a while. It went okay.
1: But when we got to Portugal, my dad started again talking about God because he said, well, there has to be something out there. Mm. because this God he for sure he, he saved my life he helped me with those soldiers and again he saved our lives again a second time because that plane could have gone down we could have died and and we made it to Portugal and so for a few years my dad started buying books from different religions try mm. to find so God he was on
2: a spiritual quest I guess absolutely you could
1: say. My mother was not quite on the same page as as my dad, but my dad kept talking about God. She would say, well, I'm sure there's got to be a force out there, something, but how will we ever know? know, How will we ever find who this God is? Mm -hmm. And so my father was, uh, he started reading books from one religion, from another religion, and there was always something in him that would say, say, well, maybe not this one, maybe Mm -hmm. not that one. And one day someone gave him even the Quran, and Mm -hmm. he started reading the Quran. and, and then one of our neighbors One day came along and gave my father a Bible. And she made my dad promise that he would read the Bible. And this neighbor, she was was praying us into the kingdom. This neighbor was a a praying neighbor. We would walk past her house and we would often hear her prayer, Mm. praying. Actually, she had a nickname. We used to call her the Beast. The Beast? (laughs) The Beast. Why? Because she would come and knock at our house and she would always tell us about the Antichrist and the Beast. (laughs) (laughs) So we... We, uh, she
2: became known as the beast.
1: The beast. So she would come and knock at our door, and my mom would say, "Who's that?" And We would say, "It's it's the beast, mom."
2: <laughs> this is not like somebody who's starting off with a lot of uh, credibility, I guess you could say.
1: No, I mean we not would not ideal. Not ideal. I mean, we she would tell us all about the antichrist even before we Learned found out the who the Christ, Christ was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, gotta get
2: in the cart before the horse, I guess you could say.
1: But she was a praying woman, mm-hmm. and in her simple way, she was trying to get us into the kingdom of
2: God. Our guest today is Pastor Luis Cabral, who's sharing about growing up in Angola and in Portugal. We'll hear more of his story when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources, and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au. You're listening to Real Faith.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo and our guest today is Pastor Luis Cabral, who's sharing about growing up in Angola and Portugal. Before the break, we heard how Luis's father was on a spiritual quest to find God, and how a praying neighbor gave him a Bible. Now, here's more of Luis sharing his and his father's story. One day, you know, my dad started reading the Bible, and he
1: was just fascinated with the Bible. He started reading it like any book mm-hmm. from, from the beginning. Instead started reading about the first couple that came into the world, Adam and Eve. And mm. my dad was puzzled that even after they had failed, that God still came and looked for them. And he said, I think that's the God I'm looking for. Mm. Because my dad was conscious of his own oh, failings. I like that. Even after they failed, God still came looking for them. Absolutely. That's profound. Yes. And my dad was fascinated by that thought. Yeah. Because he knew that whoever this God was, whatever he was, that for sure there was not enough goodness in him that would deserve being saved or mm-hmm. that God, yeah. this God would even think of him. Yeah. Now we know what David said, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him or the mm-hmm. son of man that you visit him?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there, there was his sense. And he said, well, I think this is the God I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And he just kept reading through Genesis. And one day it was a Sunday and he said, you know what, today we're going to talk to God. He said that to the whole family. I'm going to find this God, and I'm, I'm so excited about this book, the Bible, and from now on, everything that I see in this book, I will do it because I want to find this God.
2: So, so he's not going to church or anything, he's just doing this all on his nothing. own? Nothing. Uh, just as uh, the beast next door. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. So, there was a mountain not far from where we lived, and he said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go up this mountain. And when we get it right up to the top, we will talk to God. Hmm. And I remember now I was 18, you know, eight years had passed since our experience in Africa. So he had been searching all these years? He had been searching. Yeah. And I said, Father, but why going up a mountain? You know, people go to temples or churches or... Surely that would be a more spiritual place. (laughs) Yes. My father said, I don't know, but every time these people would talk to God in the Bible they would always go up some mountain they would always go oh, somewhere yeah. yeah in the old testament yeah in the old testament mm-hmm. to talk to God so Moses isn't yeah absolutely so he was he was still there in in Genesis mm-hmm. um and he said well we're going to go up the mountain so we went and I remember going up this mountain what a my, childlike my faith
2: that your dad had at <laughs> that time
1: yeah that's beautiful it was it was serious about God mm-hmm. and and it was a simplicity and a childlike yeah. Yeah, that's great. Quest in him and faith. So as we were going up, I just started having these thoughts of, of a movie we had seen. And I said, D- that, is, this, is this the movie where there's a, a man with white beard and he's going up this mountain and there's <laughs> an altar where he sacrifices his son or something like that? My dad said, that's exactly like in the movie. That's what I've been reading. And that's not looking too good for you. <laughs> it's not because I'm the firstborn and I've got three sisters. And uh, and I'm. If there was
2: going to be any sacrifice, <laughs> you know, look, if there was any lambs like, around, were you? <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: sort of wondering, did he bring his pocket knife or? Oh, he, b- boy! W- is he going to tie me to the altar? I know,
2: I know he's getting into this whole Genesis thing, but he could be taking it too far.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and he said, he said, whatever I see in this Bible, I will do it because oh no, no. <laughs> I want to find God. So my dad said, yes, that's right, and once we get up to the top, we will build an altar. Oh boy. And I said, Dad, I said, what's even an altar? He said, I don't know. Hey, every time they talk to God, they would always go up, go up some mountain, would build an altar.
2: And make a sacrifice. And make a
1: sacrifice. <laughs> so I'm, this is not looking too good for me. And so we're going up this mountain. And we, when we get up to the top, he said, well, let's, let's find stones. Let's pile them all up. That's what an altar is. And you're looking for the knife. I'm, I'm looking for the <laughs> knife. And I'm thinking, well... The moment the old man pulls out his pocket knife. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. And so he said, okay, let's all just close our eyes. We're going to talk to God now. Of mm-hmm. course, I didn't close my eyes because I was expecting
2: <laughs> for the next. For understandable reasons, <laughs> yes.
1: And I'll never forget this moment where my dad, he just looked up. And he said these words. He said, God, who are you? Hmm. I want to know you reveal yourself to us and he said i give you my life my family reveal yourself to us these were his exact words i never forgot i was now 18 Hmm. and then once my dad said those words he said okay we've i guess we've talked to god so let's go that was it (laughs) that was it you were you were very relieved (laughs) i was i was happy that uh, after all, there maybe was a God, and, mm. and, I, and uh, that probably saved my life that day, and mm. my dad didn't take it all the way through in his <laughs> quest to find God. But we went down, and I never thought, that's it. I, I thought, well, there was a good walk today. Mm. We went for a walk. We used to go up mountains. We loved tramping. We we loved being out in nature, and we, we loved that, and, and we had done that many times. But this mm. time was different because yeah, yeah. we went up there to talk to God. Well, the following morning, my father comes to us and says at breakfast, says, Well, now I know. Now I know what got to follow. And he said, Now we're Christians. I said, Dad, we're Christians? What do you mean we're Christians? He said, Last night I had a dream. I was up on top of that mountain. And in the dream, I was talking to him. And I saw right from the sun, I saw a face that I think was Jesus. Mm speaking to me and saying i and the father we are one mm-hmm. my dad was still there in genesis he hadn't yet got to john where that's written so my father was no way he could have wow. known that yeah, yeah we weren't brought up around sort of christian things so we we had never read a bible yeah. had never yeah. seen the bible and he said now i know that jesus is the one we're going to follow and i said to my father well that's wonderful but how, what does that look like Are we going to follow Jesus, but uh, we're Christians. What what does that even entail? What's that all about? My father said, I don't know, but I'll keep searching. I'll keep reading. I'll I'll keep you posted. Wow, he's determined. He's determined. In less than two weeks, for the first time ever in the little town where we're living, a man came from Canada, set up a tent, and for two weeks he preached about Jesus. Now, our neighbor invited my mum and dad and my family to come to that meeting, to the tent meetings, mm-hmm. and they heard about Jesus. And for that whole two weeks of preaching, the only people that responded to the appeals of these evangelists, I remember a skinny evangelist with a funny accent <laughs> and preaching a very, in, in a very powerful way um, about Jesus. I only went to the meetings once, but I remember this man, and uh, and he preached very convincingly. And of all the days of, of really passionate preaching, he must have felt very discouraged because only one family hmm. responded to his appeals, and that was my family. And looking back now, I think, I don't know who he was still hmm. up to this day, but I think he must have probably felt like a failure all hmm. those days of preaching, and only one family came to Christ, Hmm. but I think of the love of God and how God heard the sincere prayer of that man up on top of that mountain Mm -hmm. and and he dislodged someone from another country to travel thousands of miles across the sea to come to that little town and set up a tent so that this one man could have Jesus preached to him and that he could come into a saving knowledge of Jesus and he would come to a more accurate picture mm-hmm. of what yep. salvation is all about and that's how much God loves. I mean there may be someone right now out mm-hmm. there listening mm-hmm. to this program is perhaps away from God or mm-hmm. or on a quest and, and I want that person to know that God will move heaven and earth, men mm-hmm. and angels, whatever it takes so that each one person that is sincere before him will come to the full knowledge of who he is. And to that person out there I would like to say that God loves you that God has a plan for your life. And if you reach out to Him, He's reaching out to you right now, and He wants to come into your life. And perhaps you're listening and you want to open your heart to Him. That's what my dad did. He opened his heart to Jesus. And if you do that in sincerity,
2: He will come in. Amen. Well, in a sense, your dad prayed the agnostic's prayer, or, you know, I don't know who you are, God, but if you're there, show yourself to me. And God showed up? It did. It did. What about for you, though? What was happening in your heart? Well,
1: what was happening in my heart was a bit different. I did go once to the tent meeting. I wasn't seeking. I did it just because my mom said they have drums in that tent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Big spiritual reason to want to be there. (laughs) They said you've
1: never, if you think that church is a dark place lit with candles, with an organ playing Mm. in the background, my my mom said, you know what? Church is actually a a fun place. You you need to come and hear this man Mm. and be part of that experience. I said. There's no way. I mean, I'm not interested in religion. She said they even have drums and electric drums. guitars. I said, "Does that happen in a church?" I said. She said, "Yes." Come, and I went. I went just to see the drums and see the and and you know, I got there so late that um, the worship side of thing had had finished. And oh, you missed the worship. I missed the worship. Mm-hmm. I missed the drums. I saw there were drums there, so I thought You well, saw
2: them, but you didn't get to hear them. My <laughs> mom was
1: right. There are drums in this church. It was a tent, actually. But I I went in and I listened to the man and I. it's interesting how his words I can still hear him in my brain I mean he's still saying that you're one step away I can hear his message you one step away one prayer away one breath away of a relationship with God and he was so compelling but I was just not in that that place I guess I wasn't hmm. seeking mm-hmm. I, was, yep. I had just gone into university I had started my law degree I thought I knew a lot <laughs> I thought I knew everything hmm. I was 18 <laughs>
2: <laughs> of course of course <laughs> What 18-year-old doesn't think they know everything?
1: Absolutely. And uh, and I, I'm now coming home, and uh, I see my dad with his Bible open. Uh, but I have to confess that I know I started getting a little bit irritated with the way he was talking about God at <sighs> home all the time. Yeah, Not only that, but opening his Bible instead of opening his newspaper, <laughs> going through the newspaper mm. like he used to. He's now opening his Bible every day and reading his Bible and reading portions of the Bible out loud and, and telling us about things that are happening because by now they found a, a little church that are attending and he's telling us about things that are happening mm. in this little church. and how So he's just getting into this deeper and deeper. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, well, this is amazing, but maybe it's not for me. And my father talking about how he's addiction to cigarettes had come to an end and I'm thinking, well, he's just trying hard maybe to quit cigarettes and just thinking that God is doing it. Hmm. Let me wait and see. But suddenly he's not craving cigarettes. He's free from this addiction. I'm thinking, well, maybe there's something there, but hmm. I was still not yet ready for that. I wanted a bit of distance from that, but how could I have distance? My dad is now reading hmm. out loud the Bible at home. And many times I remember coming home from university and just going into my room and uh, basically just cranking up the the music in my stereo at, at you know in my room because I didn't want to hear my dad reading his Bible out loud. Hmm. Reading, so at you know, this
2: point, it sounds like you're really not interested. Not interested. We're no. going to have to stop you right there because unfortunately we've run out of time for this part one of our conversation. I don't know how many we'll have, but with part one we'll have to end right here. Uh, wonderful way that God worked in the lives of your family and every one of your family members. We'll find out more because he eventually works in your life being a pastor and everything. So we'll have you back with us again next time. For sure. Pleasure. That was part one of our two-part conversation With Pastor Luis Cabral Who was born in Angola And then had to flee to Portugal with his family At this point in his story Luis's father has become a Christian But Luis isn't as interested in spiritual matters We'll find out how that all turns around next time And we'll find out how he eventually becomes involved in ministry And migrates to Australia All that more is coming up next time When we have part two of our conversation With Pastor Luis Cabral